enlightening, informative, sexy, and fun. Welcome to Looking for Love with your host, Dr. Lori Buckley. Dr. Lori will help you find the love you desire and show you how to have more love and passion in your life. Whether you're single, dating, in a relationship, married, or going through a breakup or divorce, Dr. Lori is here to help. This is Looking for Love, and here's your host, Dr. Lori Buckley. Welcome. You are listening to Looking for Love and More, and I'm your host, Dr. Lori Buckley, and I have a very special guest today, Dr. Diana Wiley. Hello, Lori. Hi, Diana. We have an exciting show today. We're talking about one of our favorite subjects, and hopefully one of yours. We're talking about orgasms. <laughs> it, it is one of my favorite topics because I love having them so much. <laughs> Having them, teaching well, people how to have them. They're important exactly. for our well-being and our relationships. Yes, and of course, I i love helping my clients learn how to reach orgasm on their own. And um, it's very satisfying. And a woman can have her first orgasm at any age. That is true. It is never too late to have your first orgasm. And maybe it's never too late to have... Your last orgasm? Does that make sense? Well, in other I think words, that, yeah. Yeah, we can have orgasms till the day we die. And it might be even a nice way to die. I think in French, uh, it means orgasm is uh, little death. It, that is true. Yes. Yeah. I so. mean, it is a very kind of spiritual experience. And there are lots of women who have difficulty experiencing an orgasm. Lots of women, and I think we want to talk about that. Right, because what we want women to know is, like you said, it doesn't matter how old you are, it's never too late to learn, and every woman is capable of having an orgasm. There might be things that make it more difficult for some women than others, but a lot of those are probably more psychological and experiential and relational as opposed to physical. Would you agree? Yes, except for when menopause comes along and the woman's estrogen is down unless she's on hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and her prolactin goes down too. So this can it can muffle or eliminate orgasms in some women postmenopausally or make them just feel like they're muted, muted orgasms. Muted. And, and that's especially... disappointing for women because pre-menopause they were having orgasms in some cases multiple orgasms and enjoying themselves immensely and so this feels like an extra loss and um it's uh and if she can't go on hormone replacement therapy because perhaps she's has breast cancer in her family there are some topical estrogen things that she can use uh, with a degree of safety. But estrogen is really, really important for that orgasm. And the reason is that um, estrogen helps with the blood flow to the, uh, to the vagina. Yeah. And, and good blood flow uh, to the clitoris to start to move up a little bit allows the tissue to become engorged and aroused and stimulated and keeps the nerve endings healthy and responsive. So yay for good 
Good blood flow. (laughs) So important. Well, we know for men it's important to get an erection, but it's equally important for women because we need that blood flow as well. We really do. And um, let's talk about, go back to the the difficulties for some women with orgasm. And and you you said... um, most of them are psychological, and then I took that little side trip and, and said, no, the, the physical. Yeah, I mean, they're not, I wouldn't say mostly psychological, psychological mm-hmm. or experiential or relational. So there are lots of things that can get in the way. I mean, it could even be environmental. So there, there's a lot of things that get in the way. There's so many layers, including hormones. And, yes. and I love what you're talking about because it's so important for all of our functioning, including our sexual functioning. But there's, again, many, many layers and so much to address when it comes to women's, we could say, pleasure, arousal, desire, and orgasms. It, it's all tied into one. And so women can have trouble in one or all of these areas. Exactly right. Yeah. And... And let's just talk about the woman's history. You you know, as a sex therapist, I know that shame is huge uh, in contributing to sexual dysfunction. Shame. So that if a woman, for instance, because of past sexual trauma, can actually feel guilty about enjoying herself. And she might feel guilty because of childhood sex. And then the past sexual abuse leads to shame and maybe a hypervigilance in general, which takes takes away from really being in her body and being able to let go. I think this would be a great place for me to quote Wilhelm Reich. Go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I think this is really, really true. The pleasure of living and the pleasure of the orgasm are identical. Extreme orgasm anxiety forms the basis of the general fear of life, end quote, Dr. Wilhelm Reich. But his idea led us into the center of letting go and addressing possible fears and negative body image. You know, if you're thinking about your body, you're not, yes. you're not really in the moment. Which is also some kind of shame, right? If we're feeling some mm-hmm. sort of shame about the way our body looks, or even the shame that we're not having an orgasm. So there's so many layers, as I'm saying. And yeah. I mean, let's face it, a lot of women don't feel great about their bodies, no matter how beautiful and fantastic their bodies are. So it's what we're focusing on, right? So it's not necessarily the thing as much as how we're thinking about the thing. So how we're thinking about orgasm, how we're thinking about sex, how we're thinking about our body, how we're thinking about our partner. It's the things that we are focusing on and losing sight of. And so that that's important. Let's talk about that a bit, Diana. What would you say is the thing that would increase a woman's odds to be able to experience more sexual pleasure? What should she focus on or think about? She should, first of all, be very mindful and very much in the moment and concentrating on her breathing and and just shutting out all extraneous thoughts. Uh, so she's much more likely to begin to allow herself to be aroused, hopefully. Well, she could be by herself, uh, 
and maybe as a precursor to using a vibrator. Uh, if she's with a partner, she needs to appreciate uh, her partner and really focus in on how he's touching her. And, you know, one of the uh, difficulties for a lot of women is that they're, they're very busy and they need to feel in control of their emotions. So she needs to back, back off, come back to the moment and be in the moment and breathing and just paying attention to the touch that she's receiving, uh, whether it's through fingertips or lips or a penis or, you know, you get the idea. Or tongue. Yeah. Or I mean, tongue, yes. <laughs> you, I mean, yeah. So it is really being completely present and focusing on pleasure or your sensations. So the touch, like you were saying, is the biggest one when we're being sexual. But it could also be what you're looking at. It could be even smells. It, you know, it could be sounds. So when we can, while we're not having sex, just generally in our everyday life, heighten those sensations and and really hone our senses, we are going to be able to do it easier when we are in a sexual situation, which is why meditation or mindfulness practices are good to be doing every single day, making it a part of your life. Because when you can do that, then that can carry over into other areas. When you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling stressed, when things are very chaotic around you, or when you're doing something that is difficult for you to stay in the moment like sex, when you have a practice of really being in your body and in your experience and experiencing those senses and that pleasure, which is a practice, right? Some days we do better mm -hmm. than others. And like you said, touch being really the most important when it comes to sex, but also being able to look at your partner and just appreciate their, their body and their heart and to also appreciate your own body. It may not be perfect, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and your own body may also be quite responsive if you allow it to be. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, putting aside all those other thoughts. But yes, all of the senses, the visuals, the touch is the most important, but the, the visuals and the hearing and, you know, some women will actually say, in effect, make love to me in my ear, you know, I want to hear some compliments. I want to hear the different ways in which you love me. So Yeah, they want to feel adored, mm -hmm. not like uh, yes. desired is good. We want to be desired. But a lot of women, I think you probably find this too, that I see they, their partners, their husbands, their boyfriends, they want to have sex with them. And the woman is like, I, he just wants to always have sex. He always wants to have sex. And in their mind, they're thinking, oh, he just wants to have sex. It's about him getting off. It's about his pleasure. But it's really that he wants to be with her. And when she can feel that it is her that he desires, that he adores, that he craves, that he longs for, that feels very different. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, feeling a partner's high desire absolutely impacts the woman's arousal. I mean, and then she's able to often let go a little more and, and be in the moment because it's safe. She knows how much her partner desires her, and then that increases her desire. 
Yes, and this is where men go wrong, right? They might express that desire when they want to have sex, but they may Mm -hmm. not do a really good job during other times of the day or in their life. And when she's only feeling desired when he wants to have sex, she feels like it's about him and it's about sex and it's not about her and it's not about his desire for her. And so men need to show that all the time. I mean, I'm not saying 100% of the time, but not just when they are ready to have sex. And when a woman can feel really desired and adored most of the time when they're not having sex, it's going to work much better when he does want to have sex. And he needs to let her know it's he wants to have sex or make love to her. He wants to be with her. And it's not just about him getting off. Yes, absolutely. It it really does help so many women if if the partner actually gives her compliments during the day, might come up behind her when she's cooking at the stove and put his arms around her and maybe pat her butt, even if they're children. Those are lovely examples. Uh, in fact, William Masters of Masters and Johnson, uh, 25 years ago, I was at a conference in Washington, D.C., and he spoke. And uh, he said the best sex education for your child is to see dad going up behind mom and putting his arms around her and maybe patting her butt. So that kind of demonstrative affection that that uh, the parents can have in front of the children will let the children know that, oh, yeah, their parents love each other. Yeah. And, and, and they feel more secure. And they also learn more about affection and demonstrativeness. Uh, I've never had any trouble being demonstrative and affectionate. Uh, and guess why? My parents were so affectionate with with each other and with us the children you know what that was true with my parents as well interesting yeah yes and we picked a field (laughs) where (laughs) (laughs) there's lots of room for pleasure and touching there's nothing wrong with our kids knowing that we're sexual beings I think it's much better for kids to see their parents kissing and hugging and touching as opposed to, you know, fighting and ignoring. Oh, yeah. Well, then you end up usually with secure attachment as opposed to anxious or avoidant attachment. Yeah, which is, you know, the case of most of us. <laughs> yeah. The secure attachment, not, not such an easy thing. But we get to earn that as we become adults. So our childhood right. does not define who we are as adults. We get to choose how we're going to be and we get to really determine how we want to be in the world and and how healthy we can be emotionally and relationally. But it doesn't happen automatically sometimes. It does take this work. And that's why we do what we do. You know, obviously we believe people are capable of change and growth. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing what we do. And it is true that when people make up their mind, or I would say they decide that they want to be in healthier relationships or be, uh, we'll say, a more evolved adult, they get to do that despite whatever happened to them in their childhood. So that's a that's a good thing to know. It is a good thing to know. And uh, just to tag along with what you said, with just one sentence, it takes practice and consciousness yes. to 
to ch- to make changes, to make positive changes. And time so and consistency. Bu- <laughs> so, yes, right? All of that, right. yes. I always say that we're all screwed up and we're all a work in progress and, you know, whatever it is that we're working on being, we'll say, better human beings and growing, that is a lifelong process. We're never done. We can always do better and learn more. And the things that we don't do so well we don't want to judge ourselves negatively. We just want to learn from it and go, oh, okay, I can do that differently. I can do that better. It's true for everything in our life. And orgasms, I mean, what do they represent? I think they represent freedom and lack of judgment and compassion and love. And there's just so much wrapped up in an orgasm. Yeah, because the woman can really let go and be herself and feel safe about it and vocalize and which increases her arousal uh there may be an evolutionary thing about female vocalizations um and especially especially with orgasm but it can be even beyond that but from an evolutionary point of view um the woman might be with one partner and she's moaning and screaming and maybe some other guys in the tribe are uh not that far away and so the one part, she's trying to get pregnant, right? So she might, there might be a better sperm in the other guy that's coming up. So, <laughs> so yeah, and, and so vocalizations may have evolved that way because usually, and you see it in porn too, the guys are muse, usually just totally mute and the woman's the one screaming her head off. But it, uh, it does have an evolutionary point of view and it can increase arousal because it's all about blood flow again. Well, you know, it's always about blood flow, right? I mean, I enjoy when a man gets vocal too, right? That can be a real turn on too. But you know what they say, there's no bigger turn on for a man than a turned on woman. And I do think that's generally true, right? I think that is very true. Yeah. And so when she expresses it verbally and non-verbally and also having an orgasm, although we don't want it to be the focus, because if we're focusing on giving her an orgasm or having an orgasm, that's always problematic. But there is something really satisfying about that for the man. Absolutely. It's like uh, applause. (laughs) true. I love that. Yes. <laughs> like a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my my husband, Brian, uh, puts it more poetically. He says, worship your woman and the goddess will reward you. Okay. You know, I love those things that Brian says. Can you, can you <laughs> no. please repeat that? It is worth repeating. If you could repeat that one more time. I will gladly repeat it. I, I he, Worship your woman, mm-hmm. and the goddess will reward you. You know what? That is so true. And it's what I was saying before. It's like a man can't just show his woman that he desires or when he wants to have sex. It That's is, right. It is generally her feeling worshipped or adored or cherished. Precisely. And yes. Like, that is going to make all the difference when they get into bed so she can now feel safe to surrender. She doesn't have to put that protective wall up. And that can take some time for her to trust, but it works. And you know, because you are worshipped. 
Right? Yes, <laughs> I like it a lot. I mean, what is there not to like <laughs> about know. that? I don't think there's going to be any woman who is going to complain <laughs> about that. I mean, well, you know, she needs some space, but <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes. Well, that's uh, yeah. I think we all need space, and that's of course that will diverse though uh, diverge from the topic. But one reason so many couples are having trouble with quarantine is there's too much togetherness, just yeah. too much. And, and my book, uh, love in the time of Corona, a, a sex therapist guide, uh, to, for couples in quarantine, um, that that's addressed in there. What do you do? Well, with all this forced time, you make the most of it, hopefully, and learn how to become more sensual and sexual. But it's very hard because Anxiety is so high for so many people and stress. And if they only would realize that, yeah, let's let's have a date night and let's plan it out and um, and let's reconnect and let's uh, let's see if we can't have some sex. And with all that dopamine that's expressed and endorphins, we're likely to counteract the high adrenaline that comes with stress. It's how we look at it. Yes, we could be looking like, oh, we're stuck together. We can't go anywhere. This is stressful. This is horrible. And by the way, all true. But we can also look at it from a different perspective and go, wait a minute. We've got some time together that we haven't had before. And what can Mm -hmm. we do that's going to help us feel better, bring us closer? And there are things that people can do, like you said, creating that that special time for one another is another way to show each other that you care too, to show each other that you love each other, that you value the relationship as opposed to going on autopilot. Like so many of us do when we've been in a relationship for a while. Yes. And, and it'll be a a chance for you to experiment a little bit. Um, Now the famous anthropologist Desmond Morris wrote, um, I did a study, a group of 27 couples. That's not a very big sample, but interesting. Mm -hmm. A group of 27 couples were asked to vary their sexual positions experimentally, employing postures that would allow greater stimulation of the two hot spots, the clitoris, right, and Mm -hmm. maybe the G-spot. And it was found that three quarters of the females involved were then able to achieve regular vaginal orgasms. And the survey show that only maybe 20%, we don't know for sure, but around 20 to 30%, say, of sexually active women have orgasms during intercourse. Is that is that your understanding of the percentage? Yeah, it's about it's about one third, right? That um, mm-hmm. or two thirds that need direct clitoral stimulation. I mean, let's talk about that since since you brought yeah. it up. Different types of orgasms, and I always like to say there's no like wrong or right or good or bad or better or worse type of orgasm. I mean, ultimately, our clitoral tissue is always being stimulated in one way or mm-hmm. another because it's mm-hmm. it's everywhere. It's it's not just that little glands, that little tip that we often refer to as the clitoral. There's so much more. So when you think of direct clitoral stimulation, that's what we think of. But even with intercourse, and of course, 
all vulvas and vaginas are different. And, you know, some are closer to the vagina. The clitoris is closer, or maybe they have more erectile tissue than another woman. And we respond in different ways, or we have a more sensitive G-spot. So we're all different. And I think it's not so much about the type of orgasm, whether it's vaginal or clitoral or you know, blended or whatever it might be. But I do think it is what we've been talking about, kind of how open are you? How present are you? What are some things that you know work for you because you are feeling comfortable with your body and with communicating with your partner and you feel safe enough with your partner to be able to open up a bit? And all of those things can make the difference in, I'm going to say more the intensity rather than the type of orgasm. I and mean, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, um, intimacy, and you break apart the word intimacy, and it's into me, you see. Mm-hmm. But it requires a lot of trust and vulnerability. And if if the woman can be really vulnerable and open herself up and trust the man completely she's going to have a much better orgasm. Um, it's, it's likely to be more powerful and intense because she hasn't, she's let down those possible barriers of fear. Yep. And there, and, and she's probably getting back in touch with the fact that she is in fact, well differentiated. You know, I think two people, who are mature, maybe it takes being 40 or 50 mm-hmm. with lots of practice and, and self-awareness. Yeah. And, you know, we often, and we're more differentiated, Dr. Yeah. David Snarch's work, so that we can feel okay about we're one whole person and one whole person, and then together we can be like three Right. And we're we're more that there's that synergy and the orgasms can be mind blowing. Absolutely. And another way to say that is feeling comfortable in your own body and not focusing on what the other person is thinking or feeling, really being able to be comfortable with your body, your pleasure, who you are to express what it is that you want. And we can't do that if we don't love ourselves, if we don't accept ourselves, if we're in a place of fear. And that can come from a lot of different things or judgment, self-judgment. It is not going to be possible really to have a wonderful sexual experience, which includes orgasm. And I think that's also when we try to have an orgasm, when we're trying so hard to have an orgasm because we know our partner will be upset if we don't, because our partner's trying to give us an orgasm. And when we're focused on all of that, like he's, he's trying. And so we feel like we need to, or he won't be happy. And it is all of that mind noise that really gets in the way of our pleasure. And it does take a bit of strength and self-compassion and confidence to be able to not focus on those things. And you're right. I think age helps for sure. Yeah. Uh, the woman often has more, um, more self-awareness and more confidence and she knows better what she needs and wants and desires and can actually be assertive enough to talk about it so that her, her partner doesn't have to be a mind reader and you can't be anyway. You know, if the woman is, 
if the woman is saying what she really wants and needs and how she'd like to be touched and how she'd like to be kissed and how she'd like to be fucked, um, she, if, if she doesn't tell him, then it's like going on a treasure hunt without any clues. I mean, the, it's a four-letter word, talk. We got to talk more. <laughs> It's so true. You know, there's the the women who say, well, he should just know. <laughs> or the guys yeah, who I think, know. well, you know, I should know. I've, I've had sex with a lot of women and they were all happy. And what's, what's wrong with you? How come it's not working for you? So there. And can, yeah, go ahead. And probably some of the his previous partners that he's bragging about them and making his current partner feel badly. But some of those women, no doubt, faked orgasms. Mm-hmm. To please him. Yes. And of course, that's exactly the wrong thing to do. Not only, well, it it, dis, it disrupts both people, really, because he thinks he's done something good and he'll repeat it because it facilitates, he doesn't make you come. Right. Make you have an orgasm, he facilitates it. Yes. But he'll have, he'll have the wrong information. Uh, oh, I did this and this and, oh, she had an orgasm. Well, if she's faking it, that's... Uh, uh, Incorrect information. Right. So he's going to keep doing that thinking, oh, yeah, I found the I found the secret to the Holy Grail. I know I know what yeah. she likes. He's going to yeah. keep doing that. And then, of course, the woman's going to have to keep faking it because she she did it once. And so now she's going to have to keep doing it. So, yeah, faking an orgasm. It's Please, not women, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Like, why would you do that? If you know, if you're trying to make him happy, it's really not really going to make him happy number one and what's going to make him the most happy or the most satisfied is your satisfaction and your pleasure so you have to be honest about that and going back to our own self-pleasure and knowing our own body we do need to understand our own body to be able to let him know what works because we're going to be really just operating on just a piece of the pie. We only know just such a small section. And the more experience we get, the more comfortable we get with our body and with communication, the more that we can explore and experience, which is why sex gets better if you do it right as you get older. It's so true. It's it's so true. Uh, and there's also the, remember Gail Sheehy's book, uh, Passages, going yes. back 40 years. Right. Um, she said that, uh, some, somewhere at around 50 or just past 50, there's a crossover effect where her, the woman's animus, her masculine side, this is Jungian terms here, uh, becomes more prominent where she can be more assertive and she can say what she wants. She can say it. She knows her body. She knows her desires. She can say it. She can uh, take charge a little more, initiate sex a little more. Um, and so her, her male side comes out more after 50, Mm -hmm. except for some of us, our, our male side has come out way sooner than 50, (laughs) like you and me. But anyway, then the, um, for the male, his, his anima, his female side, it comes forth more and is more comfortable. He is more comfortable with slowing down. He may, if he had a problem, with premature ejaculation and his youth, that that may correct itself when he's older, because mm-hmm. uh, he again knows his body more and he knows the sensate sensations and he can breathe, and he can change positions with confidence so that 
he, he just has become more knowledgeable about his body and more skilled. And there's more differentiation. Exactly. Right? We're not so like, oh, I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder what she's feeling. I would like, we're not so in our head around what the other person is thinking or feeling. We can be our own separate person. And that is sexy. It's incredibly sexy. It is very sexy. And also another piece of this is that we can validate ourselves. Um, We don't constantly need... As a, as a very needy, maybe codependent person might need constant validation um, and compliments in order to feel whole. And now that's not to say that those of us who, who are well differentiated don't want some validation. We do. We and all like compliments. That doesn't change. Yeah. Yes. But we don't need them from a place of no. desperation to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And... So there's a difference between want and need, and uh, I suggest a client who is in a, in a relationship that could become serious, I suggest, you know, look at the difference between want and need, and ideally, you should be able to look at your beloved and say, I want you even more than I need you. You know what? I can live without you. But, oh, boy, I can live so much better with you. Yes, I, do, I can live without you, but I don't want to. And then we get to, like, the mature uh-huh. definition of love and the immature definition. The immature definition yeah. is, I love you because I need you. And the mature right. definition is, I need you because I love you. Ah, yes. Oh, that's really good. It's that good, right? very good, yes. I love our conversations. You always bring well, the you know, the research and the intellectual level to it, which I love. I don't know intellectual, but... Very much so. And you, 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 I mean, you know, you say such fantastic things that are so true. And look at, you have been doing this work for a long time. You have been working as a sex therapist and relationship therapist for how long? Almost 35 years. Yes. So Dr. Diana knows what she's talking about. And... Like, listen to her. If you, if you don't listen to her, you are missing out. There is so much wisdom in the words that you say. And I love, I love the things that you say when you back it up with the research. You're always so good at that. And your, oh, thank you, Lori. your quotes. I know you always are reading all of the latest research and the studies to get all of that great information. And where you also specialize in working with women who are menopausal or older. And that is another area that you have specialized in. Well, how about we do another another of these podcasts and we'll talk about that. Aging and sexuality. I think that's fantastic. We're going to do it. So Dr. Diana will be back and we're going to talk about aging and, and sexuality. I love it. And I hope that there is enough information, f- listeners, for you to take some of this and really apply it to your own lives and your own sexual experiences to really gain more confidence so you can have more pleasure. And it's there for you if you want it. It is. It is, Dr. Lori. And I want to thank you, too, because you're such an articulate person about sexuality and relationships and and a good host. I love I love how you're hosting this. Well, thank you. It's 
usually me on your show and Dr. Diana does have a show and I will put a link in the description below that everybody can click on and get to it. It's called Love, Lust and Laughter. And I am a friend of her show and frequently interviewed by her. But I believe this is the first time you have been on my show. Maybe the second time. Oh, that's right. We did a YouTube video. Yes. Dr. Diana has written a fabulous book. And we did talk about it in the YouTube video. And I will also put a link below for that. And Dr. Diana, if you could please tell everybody a little bit about your book and where they can find it, that would be great. So the book is Love in the Time of Corona, a sex therapist advice for couples in quarantine. It really helps couples get get back to having, if hopefully they had it at one time, a close relationship where they actually... Uh, touch each other and have sex with each other. And that combats the stress of the pandemic. It's a fabulous book. It's got great exercises and you don't have to be in a pandemic to benefit from it. It really is wonderful. And how can they find your book? Uh, Two ways. One is to go to my website, which is deardrdiana.com. It can be drdiana.com. Dot com, or it's also sold on Amazon, both as a print book and as an e-book. Well, I highly recommend it. And Diana, thank you so much. It was been such a pleasure talking to you. It's always fun talking about these fantastic topics like orgasms and all of the things that we talk about in our interviews. But this one is particularly special and important for so many people because really what is it about? It's about pleasure. It's about love. And it's about our relationships and self-acceptance and all of the things that orgasms can represent. It's not just about you know, having an orgasm, it goes so much deeper. Yeah. We were talking about all those different layers. So thank you again. I appreciate you being on my show. And listeners, I always appreciate you listening. Everybody stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>